your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome to Off Tackle Empire. For a few more days. SB Nation's only Big Ten football-focused podcast that is on the network. Again, for a few more days, because we welcome you to what is the final installment of our podcast after, uh, I believe, we covered six seasons of football. Um, I don't know if we did that many of basketball. We covered quite a few seasons, is my point. If you heard our basket cast yesterday, then you'll know that uh, we're being... Kicked off of the SB Nation. They network. done deplatformed us because they're tired of the truths we're out here telling. So the mainstream media is just out here censoring our free speech. Help us, Elon. Is that, how, is that how we did? Is that was that what's going to finally drag me into mainstream Twitter? Is uh, requesting direct help from Elon Musk? Well, I mean, in this. right after they announced that they were unbanning accounts, I noticed that my burner at Jimmy Rantoul was suspended still for a while, and I just had a <laughs> unban request. I literally said, "Please help Elon. They are trying to silence my free speech." Was my reason <laughs> that I should be reinstated, and I was like almost immediately. Uh, the problem is, I've just kind of. It's not as fun now that we actually have functional teams. Jimmy Rantoul was yeah. a time and place, and it feels like that doesn't exist anymore. Plus, half the people Jimmy Rantoul was retweeting, the Illini fans, uh, uh, have been off Twitter for roughly two years and one month and a few weeks. You don't say. I wonder if anything happened to those people. Even though we're miles away from football season, we have a lot of things we want to cover and we want to go over with you guys. I mean, there's there's always something happening. Like the news that broke today that former Big Ten legend Russell Wilson tried to get Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired in Seattle, um, and then he like denied it. But it's like, no, that's pretty obviously something that he would have done. So there's always something. We're not going to delve into that too deeply unless you have particular thoughts about that. But Well, it's really we can, funny that they hired yeah. 28-year-old Davis Webb as his quarterback <laughs> coach, coach yeah. in yeah, Denver. Yeah. A guy who started playing as an who started his NFL career after Russell Wilson. I don't think he probably had a handful of starts in those years like when Eli Manning was on the way out before they drafted Daniel Jones. I think he had a few starts in there. But he was never any good, clipboard holder for a couple of other teams, and then has gone straight from being a backup wherever he was to... He played for Sonny Dykes Cal, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yeah. He was... I think he would have been after Jared Goff. Uh, I think Webb came out after... Wait wait a minute. Davis... Davis Webb, I believe, also... Okay. This is now... He's only 28. He couldn't have been in college 10. He couldn't be finishing his college career This is now the David Webb hour. 
uh, is how we're spending the final podcast. Well, look, oh, I mean, he, yeah, so he played for Texas Tech. That's right. Before that, yeah, before we went to Cal for you two. And anyway. he was drafted in 2017. Yeah, yes. that's, I, I thought it was something like that. So. All right, anyway, uh, we've got to move on to Big Ten-related things because this is, after all, the final podcast. Sure. I am we'll Steve Braun. I go as Thumpasaurus. This is Andrew Krzyzewski. And we have to look towards a future without this podcast, but with more conference expansion. Inevitably, uh, the wheel that will... Well, I won't say it'll never stop turning, because in the last couple of years, and we talked about this when the USC and UCLA move was announced, the, I think the final form is at least in sight. It might not... It, it could still be a while before it gets here, but eventually, inevitably... I think you end up with a Big Ten and SEC, you know, partnership isn't the word because we'll never, no one will ever want to say they're partners with those people. Well, look, like, neither side will want that. I just but. don't think that we know what it looks like because have you ever finished a game of Monopoly? Actually finished one? I was a lunatic when I was a child, so yes, I have. Okay, so you know, have, you know how I dark was the, it gets I was the, the kid... I was the kid who was determined to win capitalism, which is when you have all the money and nobody else has anything, and they have to sit there and look at you have all the money. That's the goal of Monopoly. It's also the goal of capitalism. Uh, and It's also the yeah, goal of adding I, USC and UCLA. By the time I was like 10 or 11, most of my friends knew better than to accept a game of Monopoly with me because I would not walk away from the table unless I was beaten, which was pretty rare because I cheated relentlessly. Um I think this is the first time I've admitted that at the age of 34. Oh, so anyway, I don't think anybody who's going to be in position to hold me accountable listens to this podcast. But the only we'll see. question, we'll see if I get any texts. The, the most pressing question. I mean, we've seen kind of how they're going to try and schedule football and such. I mean, nobody's addressing the obvious. Well, USC playing at uh, Memorial Stadium at what their ten? Or, you know, they, yeah, their nine o'clock local time for their for their body clock and. You know, especially the way that uh, basketball could be impacted by having those, you know, those away games and and all that. Now, presuma- but- presumably, you will just not schedule them on any noon Eastern kicks. You'll just have them play afternoon to night games whenever they fly east. Um, and then you would probably not want to schedule any night games in California for teams flying west. Like, that's... It's easier to solve than everyone. I mean, the hand ring about how could we possibly make clocks work? Like, I don't know, man. How do NHL teams go from playing in Western Canada back on the West Coast or back on the East Coast? Like, well, see, it's not that difficult. It takes resources, but the Big Ten has money. Like, yeah. everyone's like, how, how are they ever going to afford to fly the basketball team? And I think, like, they're going to spend the incredible amounts of money they have doing that. That's how it's going to happen. Like, that's not really a problem, I don't think. There's just no way that this stops at 12, or not not 12, at 16. There's no way it stops at 12 was what we all said when Nebraska happened. I don't know if we thought right. that, but in any case, um, the reason that it can't stop at 16 is because Kevin Warren pulled a critical Jenga block out from under the Pac-12. If you think I'm exaggerating, they just announced a major TV partner. <laughs> it's Ion TV. Ion TV. Is going to, I don't yeah. even know what that is. Right after reruns of Green Arrow, they're going to lead straight in to Utah, Arizona State for, you know, bid in the conference title game. Yeah, I, I saw that today. No, it's it's one of those 
channels that everybody gets for free. It's like an over-the-air daytime TV channel. Yeah, it's... Oh, is I it like the Freeform, dropped. that one channel that just streams the Harry Potter yeah. and Lord of the Rings movies? Yeah, pretty much. basically nothing else? Pretty much. That's Leah's favorite um, channel, by the way. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so the question no, I, is, I, when I, Oregon, right. Washington? When are Oregon and Washington happening? Because they're not going to stand idly by and watch their games get ion tv as their primary i mean apple is it's been it's been a while since we had any movement on this story but the last news that we had on this topic was the big 10 had an invite out to notre dame and they were going to take their time and wait and basically see if anything else shakes loose i don't think that's a great maneuver because honestly i think waiting is what cost them texas and oklahoma now who knows maybe those two were always going to go to the sec instead but the Big Ten never even made that offer, as far as anyone knows, because they didn't feel like they had to. They felt like the you know the best available options were always going to come to them, and I think that's a little bit of a lazy and presumptuous mindset. Well, years before Texas and Oklahoma left, I, I said that it would be a matter of who secured them because there was no way they were going to be in the Big 12 when the rights expired at the end of 2024. They were going to be right. in a new conference in 2025. The question is who's going to do it. And the Big Ten opted not to do it for whatever reason. I have no idea why. That I can't imagine anyone involved with making these decisions for the conference ever thought that 14 was a solid and, like, the number forever. Like, that was never going to be the end stage either. So if you're going to go, if you're going to get more, like, if there's a better couple of schools than USC and UCLA to add for an athletics conference, Texas and Oklahoma would have been those too. And that, you know, that train left the station. So to answer your question as to when Oregon and Washington, it's a long summer. It's a long offseason. Like, who's to say that we won't get some announcement? But if this media rights deal, this negotiation for the Pac-12 continues to go so disastrously, I mean, their their conference commissioner was making comments that basically made it clear, like, they're going to continue fishing around as well. Like, oh, well, well, well we might expand. We, we might add some schools. And, and then what would you do? Like, yeah, by all means, go ahead and grab South Florida and add that to the media package and ion will be tripping over themselves to give you dozens of dollars per game it's amazing that our you know lower tier soccer team is now in a position to have roughly as stable a league rivalry situation as our college football teams do now because now it's going to be changing every every few years who you play and that's kind of been the problem with one of the big problems with uh sustaining anything in lower level soccer is that well, well, when the teams just keep changing every few years, your opponents change from year to year all the time. It's like, well, who do we care about? What do we, you know, okay, so we're going to play this team this many times for this many years, and then we're going to have all these other teams. And one of the problems is that you can't expand the college football regular season, really. You you, you really can't. Oh, well, why not? You think that? Well, why not? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it would be another stage in the complete decoupling of football from the actual schools. Yeah, man, you you think what Yeah, that's <laughs> once you get to a certain fair. once you get to a certain dollar value, you really think the college administrators, the people making these decisions are going to give a damn whether there are students in the building when the build, when the games are played? They'll start playing games in July if they have if they can, if they can get away with it. Um if it means they have more product to sell, absolutely. And it, it like that's that's I think that in terms of the chicken and egg here, you're going to see those moves when they are forced to directly compensate. Like, there are, again, like, there was another case in federal court. The NCAA's position is to just stand there and get tomatoes thrown at them by a federal judge. 
Um, every time one of these issues comes up, they lose, and that's going to keep happening. Like, it, it's, it feels very much like an Emperor Has No Clothes thing. Like, the first person pointed something out, and now every time the issue comes up in court, anything about this whole amateurism structure they've cloaked themselves in, everyone just points out that the NCAA's terrible schlong is hanging out. No, I, I don't think there's anything preventing them from expanding the regular season. In fact, I think the incentive is considerable to do that because then they can, if they end their season in December and start it even earlier, you know, start it in July or August, then you don't have to compete with the NFL. And then you can play more games on Sunday. You can basically have, like, the last few years there have been all these attempts to start an alternate league to the NFL, you know, the XFL and the USFL. I don't think anyone's realized that there is an alternative that exists already. And that, I mean, if I was running the sport, I would try to shift as many of my games out of competition with the NFL as possible. Because the NFL is going to be playing games on Black Friday now. They're going to try to take every possible moment of airtime that they can get. But they're not going to push their season back any further. So, anyway... I don't even remember what the original question was here. I guess what the next stage of the conference wars is. I mean, I don't know. As long as we get to, as oh. long as we still continue to have to play the GERS, I guess it's, it's everything's fine with me. Um, well, I mentioned I thought I knew where it was going, and that is, I mean, I, this is not an original thought. I didn't come up with this, but I think it's going towards, you know, Big Ten and SEC taking the role of AFC and NFC. They have, you know, 18, 20, 22, whatever teams apiece. They play entirely within themselves and then spit out X number, whether it's four, six, or eight teams to go into a combined playoff with the other league, and on and on we go. Or you just present you present one champion at the end, or you play each other. It's you know those details can be hashed out. But the great thing about the way that the the NFL is structured, the great thing about the way that the schedules are set up is that you have these four team divisions and because they've been together for such a long time and they play each other twice so their games are very important there's genuine rivalry that happens here uh in a lot of cases it's historical but the nfl has never had particularly big divisions it they started the division thing uh as soon as the afl merger happened to try to keep you know rivalries intact and and make sure that they could be fostered i mean you know think about it, especially like the afc north uh pittsburgh the browns the team that used to be the browns and the Bengals. sure here's my question for you though you say they want to protect and foster these rivalries i still think you're approaching this with the mind of a pure fan you're not who they make these decisions for uh, if you i bet if you were to look at so first of all, obviously the Super Bowl is always the most watched game. That's never a rivalry game. It's nothing to do with rivalries. But if you look at all the other top broadcasted games, I bet very few of them are these traditional rivalries that you think the NFL really puts stock in. Except there's always protecting. It feels like every Steelers Ravens game is on Sunday night. That doesn't mean that they have the highest ratings. I mean, usually it's just because those two teams are good. That hasn't been the case the last couple of years either. I don't recall them being on Sunday night this past season. I know that my point is, I know that to you and me, preserving rivalries is hugely important, and that's what we want to see. It's not how they're going to go about this. They're going to make as much product as they can, 
and sell it on as many days as they can to as many different broadcasters as they can. Which, by the way, gets us to the next thing. Another stage of the conference wars is going to be unbundling the broadcast rights so that they're not all with one network, and it becomes even more of a pain in the ass to watch your team every week if that's all that you want to do. You've seen this with Peacock. You've seen this with BTN Plus and ESPN Plus. Good luck finding one fee that you can pay regardless of the amount and actually get a hold of all of your team's broadcasts. That's going to be the future is three games on ABC, three games on the SEC Network, three games on SEC Network Plus, three games on SEC The Ocho. <laughs> that's... Well, I'm just going to continue to call it Poopcock as opposed to sure. Peacock. Uh-huh. <laughs> so speaking of poop, uh, one of the great regrets I'm going to have about not being able to about not covering this upcoming season is cannot do Brian Ferentz contract watch. No, we cannot do weekly updates on the Brian Ferentz situation because God, this is just one of the funniest contracts I've ever seen. Uh, there's just been I loved that one month or so where Iowa fans were trying desperately to find some way that they could get out of this. Like it was real. <laughs> You talk about the bargaining stage. I've never seen bargaining like this because there was never at any point a hint that anything would be done. And yeah. there, there was there was a thing where, uh, <laughs> well, it's, what was it's it? Bar- uh, it's hiring bargaining. Bill O'Brien back to the yeah. Patriots was seen as a potential way to maybe <laughs> ship Brian off to the maybe Patriots. We, maybe they'll get the band back together and they'll hire him to coach the offensive line. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's bargaining but in a situation where you personally do not have anything that you can exchange for the metaphysical bargain you're trying to pull off. <laughs> like it, it was grim. Um, understandable, but grim. And so, you know, you 25 points per game is the, is the incentive that he has to hit in his contract. It includes points scored by the defense and special teams. So, you know, when Cooper DeGene has four punt return touchdowns over the course of the season, in addition to their five, six, seven defensive touchdowns, that gives him a huge boost uh, towards getting there. You know, that would be 300 points total in the regular season. 325 if they go to a bowl, which they probably will. It would be 350 if they make a conference title game, which in which they would probably not score 25 points because... Gosh, they certainly have not belonged on the field when they've gone to the title game recently. So, yeah, man, I that's that's perhaps one of my biggest, deepest regrets about this is we're never going to be able to track it. I know there are, there are other folks out there covering the sport still who I'm sure will do a perfectly good job, but we really would have enjoyed that. It's It truly is unfortunate. Do you know what would be absolutely phenomenal? Illinois and Iowa play in the second to last week of the season, and... If we had a situation where Illinois had like a three-score lead, you're fairly late in the fourth quarter, and uh, we were doing some math on what Brian's average is, and we just kind of sent in a bunch of walk-ons on defense. (laughs) (laughs) They cut to Bird on the sideline. He's just like you know, he's like pointing over the other sideline, like I I got you, dude. I got like we'll get this money. We'll get this money for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Iowa, I mean, Iowa added uh, Cade McNamara and uh, Eric All from Michigan. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, pieces. yeah, it's they're good pieces, but, you know, they always, as they do every year, they lose all, they lost all their wide receiver recruits, like all their freshmen. Sure, but I don't know if that really does matter. I mean, the last time Iowa's offense looked any good was when they had 
Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. And I think all in Laporta could be every bit as good as those guys were. Um, you know, they had a couple of their promising um, running game with, oh my God, the why can't I remember anybody's name anymore? I'm getting too old for this. The freshman running back. Keegan, no, Keegan Johnson's the receiver. Come on, help me out here. Uh, Save me. Save me. Oh my Save God. Me. Was it one of the Williams uh, guys? No. LaShawn Williams is still there. Gavin Williams left. This is the third guy, the freshman. Oh, I think that guy was a Johnson. Yes, but it wasn't Keegan Johnson because that's the receiver. <laughs> I'm so close to having this guy's name. I can't believe this. Caleb well, Johnson. Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. I knew it was something with a K, and I was like, it's not Keegan. I know it's not Keegan because they had Keegan Johnson. And Keegan Murray was a basketball player. It's not Chris because Chris is the other Murray. Uh, it, I'm still not convinced that Iowa isn't just sending out the same guy over and over again and like and like doing the face-off surgery to him because a lot of similar like a lot of a lot of NCAA football ass names in that. Hey, look, I'll tell you what: if they've moved to doing that surgery as opposed to you remember the surgery that Iowa running backs used to get was to you know repair their ACL. (laughs) Angry Iowa running back hating God. So Iowa, of course, brings us to. Again, another regret is the final season of Big Ten West football is 2023. And Wisconsin is threatening to, on paper, make it less Big Ten Westy. But I've got, I've got a lot of faith that it can be the greatest Big Ten West season that we've ever had. Of course, you know, if you, if you didn't listen to my Big Ten West anthem, uh, it's time to go do that. Because I, I think I summed up the whole experience there. Okay. Check it, check it, check it out. Thumpasaurus is back. Stepping, stepping, stepping out. Signed a deal to become a head coach in the Big Ten West. Let me tell you my approach. See, I know what wins games. I know what's good for us. Tight ends and fullbacks. Three yards and a cloud of dust. I tell recruits. Let me talk to you. Tell you how it is. I was thinking when I saw that body, gotta add 40 pounds in the red shirt season. Here we emphasize strength and conditioning. Gotta take charge and get large to be in the barge package with seven down linemen. I just wanna pound the rock. Word. Eat up yards, run the clock. Word. We don't need to pass block. Word. We can't risk a drop, it'll make the clock stop. I just wanna pound the rock. Word. Eat up yards, run the clock. Word. We don't need to pass block. Word. We can't risk a drop, it'll make the clock stop. Now we face, fourth and short, sure. but we ain't gonna score. score. Let me see if we should bump. Pun it, pun it. Yes, indeed, we will pun it, pun it. We got stopped on that drive. drive. Down on there, there. 35. 35. Hit them deep when we pun it, pun it. Make them weep when we pun it, pun it. You'll see, we'll win the battle for field position and dictate the tempo. My punter is from Australia. And if you're saying, I don't know what to tell you. Do you know about time of possession? It's my favorite stat, it is my obsession. I know you heard about me, but guess what's going down if we take the lead? Just want to pound the rock. Word. Eat up yards, run the clock. Word. We don't need to pass block. Word. We can't risk a drop, it'll make the clock stop. I just want to pound the rock. Word. Eat up yards, run the clock. Word. We don't need to pass block. Word. We can't risk a drop, it'll make the clock stop. I don't care if we score. If we win, the battle for Field position when we punt it, punt it Be efficient when we punt it
Purdue's offense is now going to look like. Is there? I mean, I don't know if there's been any indication about that. Well, the Let's offensive coordinator that they hired was, if I'm not mistaken, Graham Harrell. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, so that suggests they're probably going to try to keep winging it around. But man, looking elsewhere, and yeah, so Wisconsin bringing in Tanner Mordecai presumably is not going to be the same, you know, pig and slop offense that the rest of the division has been. But you still, you're still going to have. Illinois, Northwestern, Iowa, and Minnesota all trying to run as few plays and get out of there as fast as possible. So, you know, calling me skeptical that there's going to be especially dynamic watching um, for us. You've got, again, a first-year coach in Nebraska as well. As far as who wins the Big Ten West, I, I think Wisconsin feels like the safest bet. Um, massive coaching upgrade. Even uh, the other thing I saw recently was Jim Leonard was supposedly getting some NFL defensive coordinator interest, but they've well, I mean, they've done a lot to address their problems in the transfer portal, and I haven't seen a lot. Frankly, I haven't seen much activity from any of the other programs, and as far as that, I'll tell you where a lot of the NFL interest was. It was by fans of the Green Bay Packers who don't understand (laughs) why you keep playing behind the sticks on third down. Why you can't just jam up the Titans receivers. Why you get carved up by Ryan Tannehill in a game that really matters for the playoffs. That didn't end up materializing. They stuck with ah, whoever the hell it is now. Uh, It's not Dom Capers, who, by the way, had the greatest fake hair I think I've ever seen. It looks exactly like Lego hair. He was introduced as uh, (laughs) part of the Carolina Panthers coaching staff. Uh, But I... how, how old is Don Capers? He's been at it. He's been at it a long-ass time. Now i got to find out. Hold on. So Age 72. And oh, my God. Yeah, that is. Uh, <laughs> this dude is straight out of the line. I haven't seen a picture of him recently. Well, this is. i got to go in the article. I've got to put this, this picture up there. He was the first coach of the Panthers. <laughs> wow. The first head coach of the Panthers in 1995, and now he's back as their defensive coordinator. Wow. So, Iowa, it's safe to assume, is going to be Iowa. It's really hard to expect anything 
positive for Northwestern after the last two years, like even if they have a better season, it's really difficult to talk yourself better could into mean, <laughs> better could mean four wins. Yeah, that's that's um, the thing. I mean, I mean, they're coming from such a deep hole all of a sudden. Uh, of course, you know, look at their basketball team. Sure, but that's not quite the same thing because they don't have you know they, they don't have these same players that they've been rolling with as part of their core for years. No, and in basketball, two guys having a good season can completely change your outlook. <laughs> Whereas in football, two guys having a good season is like, oh, well, guess they're going to the NFL after this year. <laughs> like, you know, it's just a totally different vibe. Like the amount of bodies you have to have moving in the right direction is an entirely different thing. Uh, Illinois no, adds I'll, Luke Altmaier. Illinois yeah. adds Luke Altmaier, transfer quarterback from Ole Miss, who you know transferred because he he couldn't beat out he couldn't beat out former five star Jackson Dart. And then, uh, oh, who uh, who was the quarterback that they had that went to the Panthers? Uh, Matt Corral. Yeah, it couldn't beat out those guys. So you know, whatever. Um, I think he projects as potentially maybe an upgrade, uh, but it it does suck that we're going to go from my favorite bit ever, Big Time Tommy, to my least favorite bit, which you know, every single time he makes a play, you got to go Luke because his name rhymes with Boo. Well, you should you should resist that though, and instead make Skyrim related puns because his last name is basically Alt Mary. So yeah, you know that's that's just my opinion. But you do with that what you will. Uh, the I mean, the real question for me is: Are you going to find that Chase Brown was doing the Kenneth Walker thing for your offense, and without him, you got to come up with stuff a lot more deliberately and organically and yeah, we'll see if that actually happens. It feels like the receiving core could be a little more complete only because uh, Malik Elzey is just one of the top recruits to commit to Illinois in a while and he could be that kind of outside go up and get it guy that... But you have that guy! I spent all of last season hollering to throw the ball to Pat Bryant more and you didn't. So I don't think having the outside guy matters if you don't have an offense designed to use him. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we'll, we'll see if uh, Barry Looney has... Any business continuing to be the offensive coordinator? I mean, Minnesota actually is kind of becoming like Iowa in that you can expect them to kind of be Iowa. Iowa without quite the without quite the heights of defensive and special teams scoring. They're not quite as min-maxed yeah. as a build. Yeah, well, and so because of that, they've been, they've been on the outside looking in several times here, and I don't know if there's anything about their trajectory or build that suggests there's much ceiling left for them. Nevertheless, this is the Big Ten West, and the, you know there's a lot of teams that are looking. Like Wisconsin in particular is one that I'm really curious how that turns out because on paper they look fantastic, but history is littered with teams that were that looked fantastic on paper. Yeah, I need to go back no further than last fall in my prediction of Nebraska to finally break through. I, man, that's the thing where you like. It's late in the night at a poker table and your head's up and you've got like a pair of sevens and there's all kinds of draws on the board such that you you could be hosed already. But it's like, hey, you know what, it, it's late. I need to go home on the short stack anyway. Let me go all on with these sevens. And it's like, oh, you have a flush already. I, I'm drawing dead. So that was the sensation after the first game of the Big Ten year last season. And that'll be maybe a good segue into one of our other questions we wanted to answer here, which is what was your worst take on this podcast? So (coughs) 
I'd like to I'd like to absolve myself a little bit here though because as I'm sure everyone remembers, I was not even super wrong about that until well into the season. Like it was late October before Nebraska actually fell back more than a couple games in the Big Ten West race. They're in like second place for a long time. Now part of that was they just didn't play any more conference games for a while after that first game. And then they beat Indiana. Yeah, and so it it wasn't it wasn't like it's not like I predicted them to go twelve and zero and win the net and then go and win the national title or something like. I was not as radically far off. It just felt like it because of how bad they looked and the fact that they then lost the games in the non-conference to got their coach fired. It was after all that that it's like, oh, actually because of a schedule quirk, they're still in this and it's you know mid to late October. So I don't think I was all that far off base there. Any particular prognostications that you have felt a little red in the face about? Because well, there's a few factors to consider one is how wrong it was and second is how firmly you declared it because i had a couple that were pretty wrong uh one of which was brett Bielema having a, a disastrous start to his inaugural season losing what seemed like you know what should have been their easiest and most winnable games uh that there were all kinds of what looked like warning signs then um it of course didn't occur to oh, me let's let's not try to put lipstick on that particular pig you said this is a disaster the clock is ticking until we fire this guy yeah more or less. until then all of our games are meaningless that's how sure you were that it was a disaster i've and... been watching illinois football for a long time and it just it does not register to me that it is possible for an illinois football team to be playing better football in november than in the earlier part of the season. Sure. And so, and, and your previous experience informed your opinion, but as I tried to explain to you at the time, yes, but that actually doesn't have anything to do with what's happening right now, because these are different coaches. They are different players for the most part. Uh, It's a different situation. Like the fact that they're wearing the same uniforms does not matter at all. You know, once upon a time, the Detroit lions won championships does that matter to their current pedigree? No, it certainly doesn't. So. so I was very glad to be wrong about that one. A take I've had this year that is really aging quite poorly uh, was that R.J. Melendez was going to be a breakout player in his sophomore year and like lead the way for Illinois. He was going to be like our focal point. And oh my it god. Un- it was not a totally unreasonable thing, though. There were flashes last year where it's like, oh yeah, this guy could be something. Um, and until... It's hard to even say anything about the Minnesota game, but he's mostly been unplayable. Uh, Underwood has been sticking with him because you know if he figures it out in time for the tournament, that's all. That's you know that's all all that we need. But oh my god, there have been times this year where I thought, oh, I'm gonna see him uh, in the Horizon League in a few years, um, maybe you know having a good season for like Oakland or something. Yeah, I mean, in terms of other predictions we've made here. I don't know, like, I'm thinking about things that I said the most, things that I stuck with. Well, there were several years where we said, surely Wisconsin football can't keep doing this. Surely they're (laughs) going to fall off this This is the year they drop off, and And then then the year we went all in was the year when they did fall off flat on their faces. Yeah, and of uh, course we we continued... Arguably their best team. We continued to try to speak Jeff Brom Purdue into existence. 
we succeeded. We they did. made a conference title game, and they had a decent chance to win it. We we did succeed, although not until after I gave up on that particular mission. So uh, when I threw my hands up after their clock management in the Penn State game to open last season oh and said, God. I'm done with you, Jeff. I can't do this anymore. That was when they finally put it all together and won the division. And then he rides off to dear old alma mater and presumably all the Papa John's he could eat, which... God. <laughs> Which is not very much Papa John's, to be perfectly honest. So, we've just uh, had to come back from a break because we decided to not upgrade from Zoom Basic in the very last one of these that we're recording. And so I I had a chance to uh, refill with the last of whatever whiskey was in my decanter. I do not remember what this was. Uh, I know it was a very nice bottle because I put it in my decanter. But... It was so long ago that I forgot about it. I think this was actually from my old house. So, I, I mean, uh, tasting it didn't give me any insights. I believe it's a bourbon. It tastes more bourbony than anything. Uh, could be a Jefferson Ocean bottle. But uh, in, in the future, I'm going to have to make some process adjustments to how I do this. But in any case, the uh, basketball game that I was dreading last night... Uh, turned out to be exactly as horrible as I feared it would be for roughly one <laughs> yeah. half. <clears throat> yeah, I, um, I went to bed around halftime thinking to myself, well, at least Steve put a whole, took out a very large sadness insurance policy that he can now make a claim on. And then I woke up this morning and glanced at some scores and saw that your team had come back and won. And I was like, oh, well, good for him. He wasted a lot of money, but uh-huh. he's going to be happy. <laughs> but he's happy. But... So. I actually made money because when Illinois fell off for the first time, Illinois started the second half on a bit of a tear and then kind of fell off. And when they did that, I decided, hmm, things look hopeless. I'm going to bet Illinois at 6-1 to one odds money line as a hedge in case I lose all this money. So now, now I'm covered either way. I locked in the profit. Basically, it'll be like I'm going to make a lot of money being really sad or make back my insurance money with something amazing. And what happened was Terrence Shannon Jr., the one from the Vegas game, not the one we've been seeing for most of the season, uh, showed up and stuffed Boo Booey into a locker and took his lunch money. Um, and so with this technique perfected, are you even going to give your employer notice or are you just going to walk off the job? Mm, who knows? Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously... If you bet a lot, you know that every time you raise your limits, every time you raise your units, you're going to lose like all your bets that day. And then you're going to have to go down. But uh, betting is a thing that I often do for emotional insurance reasons. And what I didn't anticipate, I guess, was that uh, I don't know what it was that woke up Terrence Shannon, Terrence Shannon's final form. But as a Chicago native, it may have been something that somebody said about Northwestern and Chicago that perhaps then made, you know, the ground start shaking, reverb in his voice as he said, Outside of Chicago is not Chicago. You're not from Chicago. Say what suburb you're from. (laughs) Well, uh, the other day there was going around on Twitter, I, I don't even remember what exactly prompted it, but somebody was discussing Detroit and said they lived right by it for like a year and it was terrible. And then the conversation continued and they're like, yeah, 
spent about a year in Saginaw. It was just right, I was so like not right in Detroit, but it was there a lot. And you know, predictably, everyone just because Saginaw is a hundred miles away. From Saginaw is, is roughly the same distance to Detroit as Champaign is from Chicago. Yeah, it's not close, <laughs> and it's and it's not like it's. I mean, again, a hundred miles. Like even Detroit sprawl does not go that far. Uh, and there's like, so you get to the edge of Detroit and then there's like 30 or so miles and then the Flint Metro and then you get past that. And it's like 30 more miles before you get to. So anyway, uh, yeah, ah, that makes me laugh. But so, so we've come, we've, we've gone through our worst takes on this podcast. Unless you've got any more particular stinkers you can think of, we could pivot to the good times. Anything in particular that you particularly enjoyed covering? Well, I will say that last generally I enjoyed everything about last October uh, when Illinois just kept winning and took a huge lead in the Big Ten West title race because it's it's the only time I've ever felt invincible as an Illini football fan. You know you have these periods of time where it's just like, oh my God, we can't lose, right? And I mean, I know you know this because you were with me at Keyword Stadium last April. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, as far as MSU football goes, that that hasn't been since 2015, so it's been a hot minute. But I do recall the feeling. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, my yeah. power is maximum; it is unlimited. But maybe an even more fun game to dissect was the nine overtime win against Penn State by the Illini, oh, yeah. because <laughs> everything in that stat, like, it's one of those funny things where everything everybody does is so hideous and somehow comes together in a beautiful symphony. Uh, the the way that what sticks with me is the way that in a tie game they kept running the ball at the end, knowing that the biggest risk actually <laughs> was, was, was letting, letting the quarterback do anything, yeah. letting Art Sikowski do anything. Oh yeah, they, they, they did uh... a, and they were still trying to run the clock, not run the clock. They were trying to get down the field as fast as possible. They weren't huddling or anything, but they were running the ball. So they did like a two-minute drill without throwing because so help us God, we're not losing this game on an Art Sitkowski pick six. Yeah, you know, we outlived Scott Frost start to finish. So that most of the steps of the way was enjoyable because for all the bravado and all the all the puffery that he engaged in towards the beginning, there were really not a whole lot of signs that they were especially close to putting it together. And so I felt perfectly comfortable going out on the branches that we did of, wow, bud, you're, you're writing a lot of checks considering your team doesn't look very good yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, Scott Frost should have been really easy for, for, for me to root for as a, a hometown guy coming back to, to try and revitalize a program that was, you know, that used to be good and is no longer. I wish that, you know, when we were in the doldrums, we'd have some, something like that. I mean, Bielma now claiming to be a native son of Illinois is a bit like that. But <laughs> And somehow Scott Frost took this and made me not like him. Just by being yeah. Scott Frost. I mean... It, right, and it's, and it's also like he started doing that stuff before the pressure of not yet succeeding should have really been getting to him. Like, he, he kind of went to it on his own, right? So... That was a Nobody pretty made easy him thing do to, this. Yeah, that was a pretty easy thing to root for. I rather enjoyed our one on-site broadcast, and that was why, by the way, I was pretty sure we had started in 2016 because the game that we covered in person was MSU-Iowa in 2017, 
And if we had, if that had been our first season, that would have been like the second or third week we were doing the podcast. And I did not think we had gone out there that early. Like, I thought that was our second season. I don't know. Well, my question is, did I have a dog when we started the podcast? Um, I'm pretty sure you did. I don't think I've ever known you when you didn't have Moon. Well, you have, but only briefly. So that basically means, because we met in 2016 in person. Uh, through yeah. Off Tackle Empire, and I uh, got Moon in the early part of 2017. So, you know, in fact, hanging out with your uh, then psycho dog kind of informed oh me a God. bit on on dogs. But uh, I, I I got R2 to uh, to trust me very much. Uh, yeah, no huskies and no German shepherds, and certainly no mixes thereof. If I were to offer advice to any prospective dog owners out there. He is he is very much mellowed in his age, but boy was he an asshole when he was younger. I, I again, our working theory is he was a Christmas puppy that somebody dramatically underestimated the commitment of, and then jettisoned, and uh, he didn't learn anything from it. And uh, he's very lucky that we're just extremely tolerant. So <laughs> here we are, and again, like well, in my opinion, now he is now he is very chill and a very good boy, but he was not for a long time. In my opinion, you should get a hound dog. I'm firmly in the Holly Anderson camp, who, by the way, she she's apparently blocked us on Twitter a long time ago at Off Tackle Empire. I'm not sure what we said, but I'm sure it had something to do with the buildup to the Indiana-Tennessee bowl game that one time. Very likely. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with her. But what she does undersell about hounds is they're hilarious. <laughs> they are genuinely hilarious. Well, hopefully it'll be a while before we have to make that decision again, although both our dogs are getting a little bit uh, gray in the face and long in the tooth. But So, well, I think the question is, in the Big Ten here, we're now in a situation where you can look around at a lot of football programs and say, like, you know, this is in pretty decent shape. I mean, uh, things have not gone well for Tom Allen, but he has won. Um, Greg Schiano Rutgers has recruited pretty well, needs to put it together. Mm. <laughs> Everywhere else yeah. is kind of like, well, okay, you know, this, this certainly looks promising, but you cannot have 12 happy endings. You can't have 14 for, cert- for, for sure. <clears throat> We're not all going to have happy endings. The question is, who is going to suffer? Because, yeah. I've seen a lot of takes about how we're kind of in like a golden age of Big Ten football coaching. But again, not everyone can have a successful coach because we got to play each other. Right. Um, something's probably going to have to break amongst the power teams in the Big Ten East. Like, I don't think if the and it won't be exactly the same, I don't think, but if the last few years break, I mean, Penn State gave a big extension to James Franklin, but how much longer are they going to be satisfied with third place? Um, Ryan Day, if he loses a third in a row to Michigan, do you really think they're going to keep him around even if he wins every other game? Um, And then Jim Harbaugh has now turned his two conference championship seasons into desperate attempts to get back to the NFL. Like, plainly, he's not going to stop doing that. So... If he, if the more success he has, the, the better his case is to be hired back into the league where he clearly would prefer to be anyway. Well, he would so, pr- potentially be the forever coach if he hadn't lost a Super Bowl to his brother, right? Sure. And, well, and so I bring up those three guys, though, because you said 
you know, who's going to suffer. Even if none of those guys have done quite everything their fan base has desired. I, I think with Harbaugh in particular, it's pretty hard for anybody to nitpick where like it took a little longer than most people thought, but it's hard to nitpick what he has done as a football coach from a wins and losses perspective. And that is exactly where we're going to stop at. Cause I really don't want to talk about any other shit involving him in our last episode. So my, my point though is I don't think it's possible for the fans of those three programs to live in this stasis. Like, in maybe not next year, but or maybe not this year, rather, but in the next two to three, I think one of those coaches is going to be gone. Like, I don't think it's possible for all of them to live and keep their fan bases it's happy. It's going to be Ryan Day. Probably so. The, the question is just, does he leave for an NFL job before he gets fired? You know, I'll, uh, I can't come up with a good example. Or is it the Cliff Kingsbury thing where they're like, yeah, he got fired in college, but look how good he is with quarterbacks. We got to have this guy. Now, Ryan Day has uh, won so many more games than Cliff Kingsbury. <clears throat> yes. He's also at Ohio State instead of Texas Tech. So <laughs> um, anyway, that's just at the top, though. Um, I wish I could sit here and tell you after three years that I have any idea what Mel Tucker's tenure is actually going to be at Michigan State. I don't. Um Mike Loxley at Maryland, does it really feel like there's much upward trajectory left on him? Congratulations on getting to fourth place. Who are you going to jump next? <laughs> is it going to be Penn State? Is it going to be Michigan? Is it going to be Ohio State? Kind of hard to predict any of that. And as you mentioned, probably the sad sack programs you know, outside of Northwestern are Indiana and Rutgers right now where it's like, boy, you're so far away. So far away from anything approaching success we covered the west already in considerable detail where i think the odds that pat fitzgerald hauls this thing out of the ditch are pretty long um it might have to take a multi-year rebuild you've got a couple of new coaches but then you've really got i mean (laughs) honestly the athletic director at northwestern doesn't have to fire chris collins now yeah that's true that's true (laughs) the guy who who has had the most success the program has ever had in one sport has now moved himself off the hot seat, which maybe applies a little more pressure to Fitzgerald, but I don't think they're ever going to fire him. Like he's an institution there. So uh, sooner or later, you assume Kirk Ferentz will hang it up. The odds that Iowa's next football coach is anywhere near as successful as him. Very long. Very long. You know, he has a name. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> Sorry, there's just no way out of this. There's just no way out of this. It feels like Iowa is a lot more disgruntled about Iowa than Minnesota is about being Iowa. I made a graphic a while back. I think it was at some point last year or the year before. I think last year was when I finally ran out of ideas for the infographics thing. uh, uh, Plotting the extent to which you are Iowa against how happy you are about being Iowa. (laughs) <laughs> right, whereas like right. Michigan yeah. was extremely Iowa and was very mad about it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Minnesota, also very Iowa, was uh, perfectly thrilled to be that much Iowa, which is strange because again, it's not like it's not like Jerry Kill and Tracy Clay's were every bit as bad as Tim Brewster. Like they've been through some junk, but there was never a position where they were never in a position where what feels kind of like an eight to nine win 
parameter is going to be, like, that should be all they ever hope for. Like, the four, if Michigan State can have a run like they did with Antonio, there's no reason a program like Minnesota can. The four quadrants of that chart, by the way, were, if I recall, I reject the premise of Iowa. God, I wish we were Iowa. Yay, we're Iowa. And, oh, God, why are we Iowa? <laughs> Which I think I put Iowa in the, oh, God, why are we Iowa? <laughs> well, wouldn't that have been Michigan? Well, yeah, I mean, Michigan was definitely the farthest corner of the Oh God, Why Are We Iowa quadrant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. So you applauded everybody on this. Yeah. Sure. <sighs> yeah. Well, well, what I wish I could say is that uh, funding our hosting costs for a fall edition of the podcast will make me do the infographics that I know is probably the, everybody's favorite thing that I do. I can't guarantee anything. No. So, insofar as this will be the last time we directly address our audience, I want to thank everybody who's been with us, whether it's been from day one or if somehow this happens to be the first episode you stumble into. That would be unfortunate. But in either case, it's meant a lot to us to know that somebody's listening to our ramblings mostly kind of relating to Big Ten football and sometimes basketball and occasionally other sports, but mostly those two. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed our content. Continue to make your way to off-tackle Empire as long as it exists, which, <laughs> who knows? Uh, again, you know, we're part of a parent organization that decided all audio media needed to be jettisoned two weeks before the NCAA tournament, so take for that what you will um, in terms of how much longer this website will exist at all but it's been a long time whether it was actually six years or seven and that we can't even remember I think kind of gestures to where we are in our lives uh, but you and I have become extremely good friends primarily through the time we spent together doing this podcast so if nothing else I have found it an incredibly worthwhile endeavor for that reason much appreciated, and I feel the exact same way. But you know what? I would also like to address the people. You only address the people who listened and enjoyed our content. I would like to address the people who <laughs> listened and did not enjoy our content. To those who listened and did not enjoy our content because we had these recurring audio issues that just gremlins every single week that I couldn't figure out a way to contain until our very until, twilight moments. Well, consider this yesterday. episode an apology to you. Consider this uh, dying gasp, you know, what I think is some fairly high fidelity to be my heartfelt apology to you and my, you know, and just by proof that, you know, I, I could have done it. And to everybody that listened and didn't enjoy our content for its content's sake, I say I also thank you very much for listening because you know what? Sometimes you just like to go and find someone to get mad at. I get it. I do the same thing. Thick Stauskas on Twitter described us as his favorite podcast to get mad at. And uh, boy, there's no higher honor uh, that, than, that we could receive than that. So I thank absolutely everybody who has tuned in regardless. And we will see you on the other side of the final podcast.
Your source for big game cards. It's off tackle empire.